0: Welcome to the Mindset Mashup. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow, TV host on Extra, author, and lifestyle strategist. And I'm going to dig deep to bring you closer to your best life in this lively, unfiltered, and heart centered podcast. The Mindset Mashup is a world class compilation of insights and ahas designed to optimize what matters most radical self love, emotional mastery, tribe, impact, and success. Tune in for inspirational guests who reveal the mindset required to bust through the BS that holds you back, and then how to apply those tips and tools to elevate your life, business, and relationships. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey guys, I'm really excited for you to meet an exceptional woman and strong entrepreneur, um, super bright, super kind. And I mean, a legit entrepreneur and to really get up inside what that looks like. And it's not all pretty. Sometimes it's just flat out messy and it's so humbling. And, you know, especially, you know, when you can really hear the stories, um, of that journey and of those various chapters from someone like her, who's a legit entrepreneur. I mean, she's built multiple companies. She's had successful exits, which just mean, you know, it means that her companies have been acquired and she just continues to really thrive, uh, as a leader, a speaker, um, a well-respected businesswoman in the world of beauty. And she's my friend and it's just so awesome. I'm realizing how, um, cool, podcasting is right away because, you know, so many of us are busy and we live in different parts of the country and we're just so caught up in our lives and we don't always get the time that we really would love to have with some of our friends. And so to be able to jump on a podcast, uh, together and just share in a regular conversation, um, and really reminisce about how we met or, you know, for me, it was just so wonderful, like recalling some of those really special memories that we shared together or the things that I really love about her. And we just kind of go all over the place. But at the end of the day, there's a woven theme of someone who's just working really hard and extremely humble and by no means pretends to have it all. And She's truly dedicating herself to being transparent and really optimizing her life on all levels, and it's just so awesome. So I can't wait to introduce you to my friend, Sinead Naranius renier and uh, here we go. Well, I'm excited to dive in. I'm super, super happy that you're here. I did my very first um, episode on my own just to kind of give a brief background and talk more about the mission of, of the mindset mashup. And I brought up you and Chris, because that was a bit, you guys were a very important piece of me feeling confident to leave HSN and continue my work as a consultant and move home. And you guys were just, you know, super influential and I treasure meeting you there. And I want to talk about that. And we will, yeah. but it's just so fun to now circle back six years later, do you know, I was looking at my Instagram today and I was like, I remember that you're the one who told me to get on Instagram and then taught me how to do it. I didn't even know what a hashtag was back then. (laughs) Um, and my very first picture that I ever posted was me and you. Oh, I love that. that. It's got two (laughs) lights.
1: You have to send it you have to show it to me and send it
0: to me well, i actually just tagged you like a half an hour ago because i was reminiscing oh, really? and looking oh, at it and i'm like what awesome. um, <laughs> and then of course like the next two posts hilarious like looking back i posted and i didn't even get one like and i'm like wow that didn't bother me so i never took it down it's just so funny to watch the journey in life yeah. with, through social media and just to look back on that time and so anyway six years later here we are um Well, let me give you a proper intro and then, um, and then we'll just kind of rock and roll and and have one of our normal conversations. Awesome. Um, Okay. So sure. Sinead Naranius Rainier is obviously a dear friend of mine, South African born entrepreneur based in San Francisco with two successful exits. And she's a highly respected leader in the beauty industry, founder and partner at the Pienza Collective. Uh, how would you describe the Pienza Collective? I know what you do, but how do you describe it in one word? agency one firm companies <laughs> definitely Yep, definitely. The agency, I forgot to ask you that in our prequel, that assists clients in navigating the ever-changing landscape of digital marketing with an eye towards influencer and social media strategy and execution. Prior to the Pianza Collective, Sinead was VP of Business Development at Women's Marketing Inc., a leading media planning strategy and buying agency for beauty, fashion, and lifestyle brands. And before Women's Marketing Inc., Sinead was founder and CEO of the premium influencer network iFabo, which was acquired by women marketing inc in 2014 and then again by the sway group in 2016 ifabo is an industry leader in high quality influencer marketing connecting online influencers to brands via a proprietary technology platform you guys it just goes on ifabo was a spin-off of Sinead's amazing skincare company. I'm still obsessed. Beautisol, a luxury sunless tanning brand that was distributed through luxury outlets across the U.S. and on HSN, which is where I met Sinead. Um, and she was a spokesperson there for four years and a total badass, guys. So fun. And uh, Beautisol was acquired in 2015 by Five Crowns Capital, where Sinead currently serves as an advisor to the private equity group. And Sinead is chairman of the board for the Bay Area Beauty Association and advisory board member to Formula XO sits on the West Coast committee for ICMAD and is a longtime CEW member. And in her spare time, if there's any, she blogs (laughs) at the beauty seeker. So obviously, and I mean, and then you've got a whole list of things that you did even before you were, you know, founder and CEO of your companies really been steeped in the beauty industry as a, as a standout leader, well-respected and admired. So badass in business, uh, married to the love of your life. And I love your husband, Chris, um, a wonderful auntie, amazing daughter. But I think the thing that inspires me the most about you is that you're able to maintain lifelong friendships. And I was in your wedding as a bridesmaid. I was there and I heard the speeches and I still get the chills. Like you are so loved and adored and you know how to take care of the people in your life. And that is a special trait. And I'm going we're going to talk about tribe in this conversation, because I think you could share some wisdom as to how you maintain those friendships and how, what you do to really keep them connected and not let them fall away. Because it's so easy as a busy, you know, successful entrepreneur to get caught up in life and you take care of the people that you've known. And it's, it's very, it's very admirable. Thank you. Thank you. By the way, I'm going to close down my mail because I just heard it. See, I'm a a new podcaster. It's a novice mistake. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So I wanted to start, you know, obviously you're super accomplished and amazing at virtually everything you do. And And I know the road hasn't been easy, so sometimes it can look so perfect on the outside, uh, but it's how we navigate it internally, right? And what are the tools and resources that we go to, to bring us back to center or to get us going on the path that we know feels the right, you know, the most right to us. So I just wanted to open with, what do you think has been a common denominator mindset tool that you've been able to utilize again and again to keep you on track for this amazing life that you've been able to create?
1: You know, I think for me, it's been about actually taking smaller steps and being okay with that. So because I think... um We get, we get caught up on the very big picture and and I'm not saying you shouldn't look at the big picture, but sometimes the big picture, the big aspiration is absolutely terrifying. And it, it can sometimes immobilize us and puts a lot of fear in us. And, and I still have my fears just like everybody else, you know, but what I've tried to do is, is make immediate little steps. Um, and just start the forward movement. So, with all of my companies, um, I would say Beauty Soul definitely had more strategy in it when we started it. But when when I look at Ifabo or or I look at the Bay Area Beauty Association, you know, or even the Pienza Collective years ago, part of it, what I've done is always just take the first steps in. It's not about a big business plan. It's not about, you know, all these different things that people say you should have in place first. It's really just about testing it, testing the momentum, testing and seeing if people would be interested in your idea or your business. Um, and if you start with those little steps, I feel like people uh, automatically want to help and want to surround and want to be part of that momentum that it, it, for me, it feels a lot easier and i think that's the mind shift because i i think i've always loved being an entrepreneur but i never did it until i was well into my 30s because i was absolutely mm. terrified um but now that i've gotten you know the first couple companies behind me i'm okay with it you know and but part of it is is just taking those little steps and seeing you know and and, and you have to make some hard decisions and not all you know, the companies that you start or ideas will flush out, but that's okay. That's okay. I'd rather start and and experience a lot more than being hung up on that one big idea that never comes to fruition.
0: I love that Talk, talking about taking those baby steps and really just allowing yourself to enjoy the progress and not get so caught up on the big grand gestures or the big sort of, you know, big milestones. Right. And then it's 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 actually there's more fulfillment along the way. But how do you when you say test, what do you mean by testing? Testing it along the way.
1: Well, like for instance, um, starting the Bay Area beauty uh, or actually I'll go back. Let's look at iFabo, right? Which is a an it was a, a fashion and beauty influencer network, but how it really started out was just a reason for me and other influencers. Cause you know, I'd started blogging in 2008, you know, way, not way ahead of the time, but definitely at its early infancy stage of, of blogging and social. Um, and really I formed it just as an organization for other influencers to talk to each other. That's all we started out as. I was like, well, there's no one organization that's kind of unifying us. I'll do that. I'll just set it up on Facebook. And that's how it started out. So from there, then I realized, God, we were all thinking about education. Like how could we grow our followers? How could we expand our network? And that's when I started doing education. So bring in Google, bring in Facebook, have them teach us as influencers, how do we grow our social networks? How do we learn these tools? So We then quickly started attracting more influencers. We, you know... By the time I sold the company, we had 3,000 know, across the U.S. and actually in the world. We had a large following and a large group of members in London and, and the, uh, Australia. Um, and then from there, that's when we decided to build a, a back-end technology platform. But I never went out of the gate saying, I'm going to build a technology platform to do influencer seeding. That's not how it started. It started out of what I thought was a need at the time. I thought I would just put it together. I didn't put a lot of money into it. And that's what I'm saying, it's these big baby steps. If you had told me, Sinead, you know, you're running Beauty Soul and now you need to start a technology company, that would never have
0: happened. Right, it would have felt overwhelming and impossible. How would you have the time?
1: I could do it. I'm not a technologist. I'm a beauty fanatic. <laughs> <laughs> the hell is that you know so and the same with the bay area beauty association i you know felt that the san francisco bay area in particular was lacking a um resource of of people and events they're you know in the beauty industry all the events are in new york and and la however we have some of the largest skincare companies in our backyard we've got some Benefit, Bare Essentials, Rodan and Fields—the number one company. Um, You know, you've got all these indie brands. So honestly, how that started is, I sent out an email to my contacts in the Bay Area and asked them if they wanted to get together for drinks. Huh? Forty-eight people show up. Wow. Then I was like, oh, well, this is interesting. Then you can start kind of going. But I think. Just you know, and and there are probably so many people that would disagree with me and say there's no plan. You're just throwing stuff out there, but that's personally how I get out of my own way and just try it. And it's you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's no big deal. But I think putting in this huge plan before it doesn't always work. Now there are some companies. Yes, you have to have a plan in place, um, but you know, oftentimes a company can grow from you just testing out certain things.
0: No, I love that. It's so true. And I love that you're just, you know, described um, a wonderful, it's a mindset metaphor, if you will. It's like being open to how things might go, you know, being set on an intention to want to make a difference, want to make an impact, want to help people. That's really what it was, is that you saw a need in the marketplace, a big void. um, And you were like, listen, I need this myself. I imagine if I need it, others like me need it. So let's, let's create something. And then you could just bring so much value to your, your colleagues, which I love. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Very, very cool. Um, let's talk about how we met. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So obviously, you know, you've been in beauty for a long time and you've been, you know, you're known as the self tan queen. You've got a, a tanning salon, uh, tanning. How would you call that the salon that you had in San Francisco oh, The tanning salon? Yes. Yeah, Free yeah. tan. You're yeah, super high-end spray tanning artist, you know, literally known as the queen. And um, there's probably nobody better. I mean, you dressed A-list celebrities for red carpet events. And this is stuff that's really hard to find about you. But I know you. So I can bring this stuff up. Like self-tan queen doesn't even exist anymore. No, I mean, but, but I know. And you were huge. Yeah. And, um, and then again, you saw a need for like, wait, there is not you know, a self tanning formula that isn't the quality that you would like to see on some of your clients. Yeah. And so you guys created one plus you had worked at San Tropez, and you right. knew what worked with San Tropez, and you took that to the next level. Yeah. And still to this day, beauty soul is my all time favorite yeah. sunless tanning. You know how I feel about it. I mean, you had me at hello, but before I even really tried your product. Um, so guys, just so you know, um, the way that it works at HSN is you know, you go on two, four hours every single night. I'm now speaking to my listener, Sinead, because (laughs) it's my, it's my mother and my sister. Um, so, so, um, and then you're sent products in advance. And usually, you know, if the brand is cool enough or smart enough, they'll write a handwritten note, which very few did and or send additional, you know, products just to kind of get your attention. But where Sinead took it to the next level is, um, I would love to meet with you in person. Is there any time? And I was like, um, the only time would be when I get off air. And that's like at 5.00 AM. And that just seems so crazy. And Sinead's like, no problem. I'll be there. 5.00 AM Sinead shows up at my desk, basically completely dressed, makeup, heels, <laughs> ready to go. And that actually was completely I mean, so unique. No one had ever done that. No one cared enough about their brand, even if they were the founder, the entrepreneur, and they were the, you know, financial backer. Nobody did that still to this day. I don't know if anyone has ever done that. So that was just such an extraordinary example of your work ethic and of your mission and your intention. And, and also just your smarts. It's like, this is smart. This is how you get me to care. Yeah. Um, and then of course, finding out that you were from California, you know, that was an easy one for me and you just had the most lovely personality. I called you pure sunshine in the bottle from the moment that we met. I still feel that way.
1: Yeah. And,
0: um, and so we went on air and we started working, you know, yeah. beauty salt together. And, and then it was again through that, that same matriculation, but how was your experience at HSN and what would you say going through that experience taught you, um a wonderful sort of example of of life's of, of a life example cuz HSN was amazing and super challenging
1: yeah i mean it's funny cuz you you talk about you know you're on this major network that's reaching millions of people the pressure is on you've got to move product otherwise you're out um and it's funny because that was actually some of the darkest times of my life because i was um, living apart from Chris, from my husband, because I was in Florida, because I, committed to picking up any kind of airtime that I could. If you know, someone sold out and they needed a product to go in, I wanted to be there, and I was committed, as you said, to, to making sure that the network knew I was there and wanted to do everything and anything in my power to succeed. Um, but we were also dealing, you know, internally as a company with some pretty scary uh, times. And situations, both on a financial level, and then also on a, a partner um, investment level. And, um, you know, you, you talk about having to put on a brave face and not let anybody know going on because you have to portray this, this level of success and excitement and all of that. But inside you're dying, right? You just feel horrible. So I would say, you know, the, the great thing about HSN is it allowed me to be able to tell my story and tell the product story. And I truly believe that... And my goal has always been how can I impact or change someone's life? And for me, it sounds superficial, but it was sunless tanning because I'm always fair. I was always super self-conscious of that, super self-conscious of how white my legs were and everything, you know, um, that, that was, you know, my, why we created the brand and why it was so important to me. Um, so I'd say, you know, HSN taught me, um, a lot in terms of being really sure you know what your story is and you're a perfect, uh, you know, person to kind of, and was sweet enough and kind enough and patient enough to work with me to bring that story out more. Um, because it really is about how you position your product on HSN or QVC or Evine, is really so instrumental on how you position the Do you think, you know, your product, you really don't until you go on air. Um, and that was really eye-opening for me because I thought we had it and really wasn't until we went on air that we had to keep changing our, not changing our message, but changing how we talked about things, why it was important for people. And that was in a tremendous lesson. And, and now I go t- back to that and it's almost like, uh, and I know you and I have talked about this extensively, but it's the question of why, why should people care? Why do they need this? Why do they, you know? why,
0: why should this be a part of their life? Cause that's what you're asking someone to do. So, right. And then, and then oftentimes, um, in my experience of working with now just hundreds of brands since leaving HSN, um, and then representing, you know, brands every single week at extra, I come back down to the emotional core benefit oftentimes, um, which is what you and I would talk about when we were on air. And by the way, you guys should go on air with her one super pale, a beautiful, but pale white leg up against one beautifully tanned and bronzed beauty saw leg. And nobody was doing it quite at that level. And it was just, and you were just so cool about. That you're like, look at the blue veins, look at the spider veins, look at the bruises, look at all this stuff that I would probably love to camouflage out. Oh, hi, look at this. leg. you can't see any of it. You know, and it looks more toned. It looks more firm. So what does that do? It boosts confidence, makes you feel, you know, um, better about yourself. Um, you know there 's just so many emotional core benefits that 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 can bring bring to someone 's life, and so yeah, it was just an epic thing, not to mention the product was good for us you know and and so but I want to hit on something that you just said because you talked about what you had to present to the world literally in real time and and there 's no joke about it like. The reason why you learn so quickly, if your messaging, if your story is is right or not, or if it needs to be fine tuned, is because you're med- measured up against something called dollars per minute, and this is very different than the average entrepreneur that puts their products on shelves. Let's say uh, a brick and mortar distributor, um, like a bed, bath and beyond or an Ulta or something like that, because it's not as easily measured, but when you've got 15 minutes of airtime and you need to move 3000 units and if only 500 units sell, let's just say your story needs to be fine-tuned. But if you're making those quotas or exceeding them, you've kind of hit the Holy grail. So you learn it so fast which is why there's so much pressure, because if you don't hit those numbers, one or two of those types of shows, you're off the network, like you said. Yeah. So it's a very intense um, environment to say the least. You and I both, I think, thrive in that kind of pressure. If, you know, some things are in place. So when you talk about, which is mindset, but when you talk about all the pressure that you were experiencing financially with investors, et cetera. But the face that you had to put on, which is the epitome of success and thriving. um, What did, where did you have to go to, to download how to reset so that it didn't come off as frenetic or stressed because you, in that situation, the world can't know what you're up against. That's private. Right. right? Oh
1: yeah. I think you do a lot of praying. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, being realistic, I just um yeah. You get on your hands and knees and say, let me get through this. I think, you know, that's the one thing I think you, you have to try and also maintain some sort of normalcy as well, which is why I appreciate appreciated our relationship that yes, we work together, but we could, we would still go to dinner. We would still talk. We would still laugh because I was so isolated because it was only me there. And just like you, it was only you there too. Right. Um, And yes, we made friends and things like that. But at the end of the day, I was very much removed from family, my home, you know, all of that. Um, But I think, you know, for me, what kept going and and we often talked about this because I always felt so bad, you know, you were working nights and I just couldn't even imagine what that does to your mental state when you're up and awake in, in the evening and there's no sun, you know, and that you don't see that. I think part of my saving grace is that, thank God, yes, we are in Florida, number one, just a beautiful place to be. St. Pete is beautiful, but I would force myself to go for walks in the morning and in the evening. And I would watch the birds feed and dolphins, you know, and, and thank God there was a large supply of dolphins because dolphins are my, what I call my spirit animal. And I always say the universe, I know when the universe is talking to me and things are going to be okay. When I see a, you know, when I see a, a dolphin and I think, thank God, Florida, has a lot of dolphins because I just got to say, okay, the universe is talking to me. Everything's going to be okay. I saw a dolphin. Never mind that there's a whole school that lives out there. didn't matter. So, you know, I think you have to do those types of things. Um, but I'm not going to lie. It was not easy. I mean, I can remember crying myself to sleep sometimes, you know, and just not sure what I was going to do, you know, having that desperation feeling of, holy shit, this could be it.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it's okay. I have, um, I've already uh, dropped the F-bomb I'm like sorry. 17 times and just two episodes. no, <laughs> You can be yourself, girl. Um, Yeah, I remember us going to yoga classes. I remember you were very big into the gym, and then you got into Orange Theory. And I remember you always taking photographs and posting because at that point, remember, you were my um, superhero in social media, taught me how to hashtag. Um, And I do remember you were constantly um, snapping dolphins and the beautiful... Um, environment of St. Pete, which is um, southwest of Tampa, for those who aren't familiar. And it's just a beautiful little town from the very little that I got to see wow. it during the day. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and that, that was a really hard time, but you made it through. And I love that you're talking about this, your emotional mindset, you would calibrate by getting into nature and going and looking for that, which filled you up and reminded you that you were being guided. Yeah
1: for sure because otherwise i think i honestly would have lost my mind you know <laughs> yeah you have to believe and i don't care what you call it the universe god allah whatever call it whatever you have to have a sense of faith that things are going to be okay and that there's higher powers at work whether it's you yes. call it energy whether whatever it is um You have to hold on to that faith. And I and that for me is just I I that's you there is no other way for me,
0: you know. Where did you learn about faith? Who taught you about that? I think my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, I love your mom. She's the best.
1: Um, I think you know, when I look at the situation that my mom went through with my father and us and her taking a very large leap of leaving South Africa, a country that was in political turmoil when we lived there. Um, she was going through a hideous divorce, a very abusive husband, um, and we fled the country overnight. And I think you you see someone that is in a horrible situation, and you're in it too, but you know, you're, was younger, obviously. Um, and you see her come out on the other end and still say, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Um, and I think that's where, I initially learned that, you know, and then you just, you, you build on it, but it's like a muscle. You have to keep doing it, saying it, believing it, being in tune with it. Um, and don't get me wrong. There's varying fluctuations of that, right? Like, um, as you and I were discussing earlier, I went through kind of what I call almost like a second dark time. So there was that time, you know, that we were in some, predicament with our company. Um, and then, you know, late last year dealing with some, some health issues and, um, getting into a really dark space again. And so it's not all perfect and it fluctuates. Um, but you just have to try and like you said, it's like exercise, you know, and it's I I do exercise, but it's something you have to have to use and trust and keep doing and keep saying, then it gets a little bit easier.
0: Yeah. And then the more time that goes by, and this is the beautiful thing about getting older is that you can then catch it in real time when you're feeling the darkness and be like, okay, I know now based on history that 100% of the time I've gotten through. So I'm pretty certain I'm going to get through this one too. (laughs) And that is the best part about getting a little older. And so if there was anything that I could imbue upon like women in their twenties or their thirties, it's like, listen, it's going to be okay. Just like your mom told you guys when you were little. Yeah. Um, so when did when did you move to the States? How old were you? Uh, we were, I was 15, I think 15, 16. So, and you have a brother. Yes. Younger. Yeah. So you both came. So your mom fled in the middle of the night. Your mom was a nurse. Yep. Yep, and you guys moved to San Francisco. Is that right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you had your your aunt. Yep, my your mom's my sister. sister. Yep. I happen to know this history. You guys, I'm not like researching this. Like, I just know this story. But it's such an important piece because that kind of courage and that faith that you talked about—that your mother led by example yep. of like leaving her country, leaving her homeland, leaving a relationship that was not at all going to be something that she wanted to set as an example for her children. It was not right. something that she was willing to participate in one minute longer, no money and really no other resources, no job prospects, just a leap of faith and a knowing that she had to do it. Your mom's a badass. Yeah, I know. She is. That's why. Yeah. Have, oh, yeah. you know, It can make I have me a cry.
1: Party. Yeah. Yeah. I have a party and then I stop. I'm like, yeah, well, I only got two kids and two suitcases and $500. I've got a little more.
0: I get the chills. I, get, yeah. I mean, she's just she an extraordinary woman for anyone f- fortunate enough to, ever meet her they they know it because she's just so loving and so so strong you know yeah um totally so then what happens you're living in in san francisco in your teen years which is a really hard time to make friendships so how did you cultivate your first set of friendships and what did that look like
1: um you know i think it was it was a little tough but um you know you're the new girl you're you know white South African doesn't go over too well when you come to this country, right? As everything, as I said, you know, the apartheid was falling apart, thank God, you know. But, um, you know, there was a lot of misconceptions here in this country, you know. Um, But, you know, I think I've never had a problem making friends. um, And I think I've always trusted my gut on who friends are. So I can be friends or, or should I say acquaintances or know a lot of people, but I've always, I think I've been blessed enough to trust my gut and always know who was genuinely a good person. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think, you know, that helps. And I, I've always been very open and honest and welcome, honest conversations and things like that. I was always that way. I think, you know, my mom kind of just raised us that way. Um, but I think you know that obviously helped, but you're right. I mean, I still have friends in South Africa. We go back once a year. You know, friends that I've known since I was six years old. We're still friends. You know, um, but I think you you pick out the friends that you are aligned. You don't have to like the same things. You can you know do all of those other things, but morally, you, you see eye to eye, and you just you know you gel, and that's it. Uh, yeah. that's why I think, you know, the friendships that stand the test of time. So the friendships that you don't have these crazy expectations around, you can both sit and be. Those are the relationships, the ones that require a lot of work. And all of that, I have no for or patience for and they're not those are not people that I would consider my close friends in my circle. So
0: yeah, well, I mean, I've met so many of the ladies in your close circle, and they're all amazing and entrepreneurs and badasses, also in their own way. I've said badass like three times. I, I never even used that word. That's very interesting. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, there's a wonderful quote that I, I say all the time by um, a personal development expert by the name of Jim Rohn, and he says that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And in your circle um, of five, where would you say that you land? Are you more in the middle, more at the top, more at the bottom? Like, just in terms, Terms of where they just you know seem to be experiencing passion and purpose, all that. I say I'm definitely in the middle which is the perfect place to be. Another reason why I knew I had to have you on. And I know that about you, you know, because if you're at the very top, you're in trouble. It means that everybody's looking up to you and that's a slippery slope. I've been there. I created that before. Um, we were friends, but really I was facilitating some sort of workshop (laughs) Um, or I'm at the bottom and I can't understand why you don't really want to spend that much time with me. It's because, you know, you're so busy and crushing it and really going after your dreams. And I'm just like in a pity party of like, I can't get mine started, you know, not being willing just to take those first few steps. Right. So I, I love that. Um, and I think because true, to yeah. challenge yourself, right? Or challenge. I look, you know, I had
1: a, an interesting conversation with a good, once again, a good friend of mine. Um, she is incredibly intelligent, smart, and very successful. I mean, she has done incredibly well. Google, Facebook, you name it. And she's now m- moved over into venture capital. Um and I sometimes sit in awe of her because she's so smart, so just brilliant. Um, and it's sometimes uncomfortable, but I, but I want to say that in a positive light because it pushes me to, to, I'm not say emulate her, but but step up and step up. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. That, um, you know, you have to have, and I, I don't even want to say uncomfortable relationships, but have those relationships that push you out of your comfort zone, whether it's, you know, spiritually, emotionally, if you know, career wise, business wise, whatever. Um, and I think those, that's incredibly important, you know?
0: I couldn't agree more. It's such an important part of the tribe pillar of um, one of the missions of this podcast, because if you, for example, are at the bottom rung or the top rung and you need to you need to do some restructuring of your tribe, which is most women these days, if they're really radically honest. Um, then it's like, okay, well, who is living the example of the life that you would like? And for everybody, it's different, right? For some, it's not about killing it financially, but it's like, they're, they're able to balance being a mom and a wife, a friend, a volunteer in their community. And they actually seem to be able to get rest and take care of themselves and get proper exercise and take care of their health. You know, they seem to to be fulfilled um so maybe that's someone to reach out to and say hey you know i'd love to explore synergies of how we can support each other you know you look like you have a lot of um you know happiness and want to just you know meet you for coffee or or a juice and i find that people respond and you know you have a 30 minute date and maybe a real friendship can be born out of that um but I, i find that these days um because listen you and i have been around a lot of wealth a lot of success a lot of all of that for so long but what i now am looking at and i'm just obsessed with is who's happy who's actually really happy and not through escape escapism fake happy but really genuinely happy i don't mean all day every day that's impossible we're human but i just mean in general but it comes back to having the tools and the resources what do we know that we do that makes us feel like shit and what can we do that can realign our hearts and our minds to give us access to our full potential For sure. Yeah. And so I love when you shared earlier about like, listen, for me, it's praying at times, it's getting my exercise on, it's taking care of your body because emotion equals motion. That's a a wonderful quote by Tony Robbins, one of my mentors. And it's just so true, you know, just getting ourselves out of that state. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it's okay to accept help if you can't physically get out of that state either, you know, because I know I, you know, and and I know that you've gone through this as well, just dealing with like, for instance, hormones, right? I couldn't physically do anything else different. Right. And and so you have to seek additional help if something else isn't going right, you know, because, um, and the other thing is is that you do have to be your own advocate. Um, and that's a a huge thing, you know,
0: hundred percent. You make a really good point. Um, I am not, um, uh, an advocate in general, there are some exceptions for like prescription pills and things like that. But when it came to bioidentical hormones and I started to experience the darkest time of my life, just, and I hadn't really ever felt that darkness. And you said that you experienced it totally. And when you and I exchanged notes, it was like, yes. Oh my God. I mean, I was questioning everything and it went on for about a year and I, and I, I just couldn't explain it. And then she explained it in 30 minutes. And she was like, This is what people, you know, come to me for from all around the world. You're not unique. This is nothing special. But women aren't talking about it. And so just um so that we're clear here, since uh December of twenty fifteen, I haven't gone one single day without some sort of bioidentical hormone. So my my thyroid was off, um, my estrogen, my progesterone. Um, and then I take virtually all the other supplements for adrenal fatigue and iron and vitamin D and, and, you know, just the other sort of basics, but it has been a complete game changer.
1: 100% agree. Yeah. I mean, I' not as far as long as you, but you know since March, which is awesome huge impact because it was just you know which is why I think you know us talking about unfortunately listening to Kate Spade, you know passing yesterday or the day before, um you know, here's the epitome of what someone would consider successful, right, but you have no idea what somebody's going through, um, both the pressures of being successful, but then also dealing with your own internal demons, mental health issues. But I also think there's this whole discussion around hormones and it's so easily dismissed and it's just not talked about. I think a, because people just don't understand it. It's never been a priority as you know, Dr. Hall has said. Um, but we, as women don't talk about it, we you just never think,
0: hear women talk about uh, it. No, no. Everyone talks about everything else.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: So. And, and women should be talking about this. And I think it should be mandatory. It's like, okay, an annual mammogram, an annual hormone panel, but from a true expert in the field of endocrinology, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just some symptoms of it for anyone who's out there wondering like, wow, am I experiencing any of it? First of all, you can look it up. You can go to Dr. Prudence Hall. I think she's the best, but, and I'll put that in the show notes so you can check out her website if you want to, you know, um, get more information there. But some of my symptoms were again, deep depression, but, but it wasn't just depression. It was darkness. Like what's the point of living? Um, I have, I actually just haven't ever been with a woman. I've never kissed a woman. I just never experimented there. I and I wasn't interested in women, but I started to even question my sexuality because I had zero sex drive, zero. And then I wasn't sleeping through the night. I was interrupted by soaking my sheets through where I'd have to change my sheets in the middle of the night because of my night sweats. And then I had, you know, a good 15 pounds around my middle. Um, I had so no energy when I would wake up in the morning that I was drinking like four Red Bulls just to get myself going. I mean, and that was like, that would just get me to neutral. Yeah. It was so intense and when I shared all that, so embarrassed and ashamed to say those things out loud because I hadn't said them to anyone and I was holding on to that, talking about isolation. And I remember tears were streaming down my face as I was in her private office, but with my mother present. And Dr. Hall just leaned forward and took my hands and she said, Honey, almost every single person, men and women that come through these doors has the same story. Yeah, for sure. How are we not talking about this? I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, I'm with you on if something's really off and you're trying everything, you know, like for you, I know you gave up alcohol for a long time and then you were like cleaning up your diet and you were getting proper sleep and you were doing all kinds of mindful exercises and digging deep into personal transformation. You were like, I will do anything to feel okay again. And then it was like, wow, I, you know, I optimized it by a massive scale by getting my hormones balanced. Yep. See that right there is worth anyone listening to, because if it's not you, it's someone, you know, I promise you. And the thing is, is that hormones don't replenish naturally when they're gone, they're gone. So women think that this is just how it is. And then they just have relationships with their spouses where they just don't have sex anymore, or they just deal with not sleeping, or they begin to take prescription drugs to put them to sleep or drink themselves to sleep, which that doesn't work. You know, it's just this really vicious dead end cycle. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I'm so glad you feel better. Okay. So then you kill it in beauty and you're working like as a sales rep and you know, you're working for several companies, um, including Saint pay. And then from Saint pay, you found beauty Soul, And then we talked about all that bring us to current time. So you're, you're running as a partner and, and co-founder of the Pienza collective. Um, does a day in your life look like now? Cause you're an entrepreneur, you're all over the place. There is no such thing as a nine to five, but yeah those out there who are really wanting to follow their dream and do something like what you're doing, what does it look like?
1: But, you know, for me, um, I am now kind of back into almost like an education mode. I love that. That's what gets me going. So, you know, for me, I, my day job is, you know, consulting and working with our clients on their digital, social and influencer strategy. Right. So, um, I have clients, I have a client in New Zealand. I had, you know, had clients in, in, Israel. Um, I've got a client in Detroit right now. I've got two in San Francisco. Um, So you're up at all hours, which is fine, you know, um, but I do like the flexibility and what it's, it's working as a partnership with other brands um, that is the most interesting. Um, You know, the digital landscape, as you know, changes so rapidly and especially with social. Um, And so I really just act as a as a, you know, a, of course, as an advisor, and that's why we're, we're hired to do what we do. Um, but it's really just guiding that ship or helping them guide that shift. Um, whether it is, you know, a brand's entering the U S market space, or maybe it's a new one. I mean, I've had we, some of my clients right now are multi-multi million dollar brands um, that just haven't really ventured properly into the influencer space. So it's really just about educating them and making sure that there's a proper strategy in place. They're, you know, really understanding why they're doing certain things because everybody jumps on the influencer bandwagon and there's no plan, there's no rhyme, there's no reason. Um, and so for me, it's about acting as that kind of steer for for our clients.
0: Um, What are you seeing as the most effective influencer strategy right now? Because you can ask a hundred people in your space and I feel like everyone's got a different answer. So what are you seeing as like the most effective ROI? Uh,
1: I wouldn't look at it. Well, there's two things. Number one, the most effective is consistency. Um, people use influencers as like this turn on turn off and that is not how they should be used. It's a constant, it needs to be a constant cadence. Um, you need to, and you want that constant conversation about your brand. Um, and then you, um, depending on what the tactic is or what the business goals is, you have different KPIs for different tactics. So, um, you know, people talk about ROI and they generally think they mean return like, um, uh, dollars sales right but the problem is is that influencers tend to be top of the funnel and yet you're wanting to get a result on a direct response level and it just it doesn't make sense now can influencers move the needle absolutely 100 percent but it it definitely is more top of the funnel marketing until you start bubbling it down and seeing who really who moves who doesn't Um, but influencer marketing should be an important tactic in your ongoing marketing plan Period. Um, And it's about relationship building. Um, You know, once again, my job, yes, we we develop these campaigns, we do the execution, the recruiting, all of that for our clients. But at the end of the day, my goal is to teach my clients how to do that and work myself out of a job. I just, you know, am wrapping up one client where... They're off. They're, they know what they're doing now. They they've got I've put the tools in place for them to be able to use and to grow. But now they understand that it's about relationship building. And that is one of the most powerful relationships you can have. Um, and it's it's recommended also with consumers. That's why social media is so powerful to brands. Um, because that's the only way that a, a consumer can also feel like they can touch and feel the brand, get to know it, know what it stands for, you know, things like that. But Influencer marketing should eventually be all in-house, I believe, you know, um, and as, as, as I said, as a part of an ongoing.
0: Uh, and what platforms are you seeing um, just seem to be the most effective place to reach customers, oh, potential customers?
1: You know, it. it There are so many platforms out there. I mean, there's large SaaS companies that can charge, you know, nearly 25, 30,000 a year to have access, right? Like a, a single young brand would never have access to that. But there's companies like, um, activate, uh, there are, I honestly don't think if you're, if you're starting out in the influencer space, there is nothing wrong with some hard work of you, looking and following certain influencers within your category whether it's you know b2b or whether it's you know in automotive or you know lifestyle or in my case obviously beauty um is having those one-on-one conversations first um and then you know moving from there i love statosphere you know i'm also probably a little bit biased obviously i i do advise that company um they're out of out of florida So I really like Statusphere. I think they're a great, not entry level, I'd say middle, middle to entry level, um, platform that really helps to, uh, provide really engaged influencers to a number of different verticals.
0: Now, when you, how do you define influencer? So for us, it would be, um,
1: you know, generally for us, it's a, it's a, it's a, either very impassioned uh consumer or uh in in my particular case it is someone who has a larger following or influence over a group of people um on a platform like instagram Facebook, YouTube, you know, Twitter and things like that, you can have really influential consumers who talk to all their friends and get their friends to buy. Um, but we're looking for actual content to be created and storytelling. And that's generally where these content curators are, are the
0: influencers. Do you find that in 2018, as you talked about earlier, their ever changing digital landscape, that it requires a larger following or is it a stickier following, more engaged following? So, for example, it could be a million followers, but they might get just a really bad example, 200 comments or a thousand followers and 200 comments. Exactly. Right. Did you go to the latter? I go to, yeah,
1: we, I don't generally deal with any of the big, big influencers. Um, you know, with a, what we call a micro influencer or smaller influencers. Mm-hmm find that they have more, um, they absolutely have more engagement rates. So they are sometimes three to six times more engagement rate than someone who has a massive following. Um, we also find that their, their followers are more kind of rabid followers, right? Um, yes, everybody might follow Kim Kardashian, but not everybody's liking her pictures or commenting because they don't feel like they can have that one-on-one relationship with her. If you see someone that has a following of 20,000 or 50,000, and yet like you said there's a comment you know there's 500 comments but it's from that many people that that small of a pool of people that's tremendous tremendously influential (laughs) for lack of um, so yes, yeah, so I, I tend to deal um, and encourage my companies and our clients um, to work with influencers that tend to have a smaller following. Um, we do we will work with some influencers that start to move into the celebrity status. We consider those over a million followers. Um, but those are large budgets and it needs to make sense for the brand, you know.
0: Right. Right. And so, and what I, I mean, I'm actually, I'm curious what you see in terms of the content and what's getting people to engage and be those rabid fanatical followers. What type of content, um, if you had to put a word to it, are people really responding to, let's just say someone's going to go out there and be the champion for their own brand because they're a startup and they can't hire an influencer. So they want to emulate an influencer that you would recommend. What would be the type of content that they should be putting out?
1: Has to be authentic. Yep and, uh, transparent and people love to see the inside look, the behind the scenes, you know? Um, and so, um, but you know, the great thing is, is that we also live in a, in a time where we have incredible marketing tools and data tools, right? So there's, um, there's actual platforms and technologies that will, basically analyze content, whether, and that, and I'm talking, it's so well analyzed. It comes down to your photos with a pink background do much better than photos with a white background or, you know, your, um, your images that have a flower in it tend to do 10 times better than this or that, where that's how, not precise, but that's how deep we're getting in terms of analytics and being able to look at that content and seeing what type of content works and what resonates with your your audience and what doesn't, um, which is incredibly powerful. I mean, when when I was doing Instagram back, you know, as you know, like eight years ago, none of that was available. It was just about putting stuff up there. Now it's becoming skilled, you know, um, which is also why I think, you know, most influencers, you know, spend a heck of a lot of time creating Content that people actually want to see and engage with. Um, and they should rightfully be paid too,
0: you know? Yeah. So. Oh, the thought of like having to worry about the actual color of my background or whether or not there's a flower in there feels so overwhelming. I'm so glad Sorry. I'm not an influencer.
1: <laughs> Ew, me too.
0: <laughs> I just put it up for better and for worse. I'm like, you know what? I've, I've actually taken a couple of those Instagram masterclasses from some of the biggest influencers. They give that stuff away for free, right? Just to be a big commercial to then pay them like $10,000. And, um, and I've really loved going to those online classes, but it also, I would shut it down and be like, Oh, hell no. <laughs> that just feels like too much work.
1: A lot of work. And I think, look, it is such an incredibly powerful tool. Um, but, stay in your lane. Yeah. Because you, you think social and influencer and doing, you know, Instagram is important. Not for everybody, you know, stay in your lane. There's nothing wrong. If it's not something you want to do, don't do it and, and don't feel the pressure to do it all right. I mean, you know, myself, you know, I jumped into social very early, you know, um, back in, as I said, like 2008, you think I worry about my Instagram? Not at all. But when I, Yeah. Uh, But when it comes to my customers and my clients, I'm rabid, right? Like we have a proper plan. We have a content calendar. We do photo shoots. We test stuff, you know, but that's, that's my job. But for my own personal thing, God, no,
0: (laughs) no, I, I feel the exact same way. Um, all right. That's awesome. I want to talk about your favorite failure. That's most shaped your success so far, because as we've talked about your, it's been a very zigzaggy, um, non-linear pathway to such incredible success and you've made such a big impact. So what would you say, and maybe we've already talked about it, but your favorite failure so far, and do you call it a failure?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, um, with my, my skincare company with beauty soul, I mean, we came to probably millimeters from becoming insolvent um, because we had a number of things that happened, both on a manufacturing level, and I'm not going to spend time with that. But we had that, and then we had a, a, a partner, um, basically who was in charge of finance, write an extremely large check for something that um, was not didn't have to be paid right then, and it was very large, and um, we had a rule in place that, you know, checks over a certain amount had to be approved by two founders, by two, uh, um, founders and and executives. Right. And he didn't. And so, you know, a, yes, he, you know, that was a huge compromise. Um, but what I think I feel the most, I don't want to say guilt, but what I feel was a failure is that I relinquished a lot of the financial insight, because I thought he was the expert. And I, and I'm not saying you have to be the expert at everything, but I trusted because he came from the finance world, because he was an investor in our company that he would do right by us. um, And he didn't. And so that was a big Crushing below on so many levels. Talk about ego. Talk about feeling betrayed. Trust wise, it's your baby, and now you're worried about how are you going to keep the lights on? We had employees to pay, and at HSN, and I've got this order coming in, you know, from to go on the air, and that might be held because bills haven't been paid. I mean, it's just sickening.
0: But I'd mm. say
1: that was probably my most favorite failure. It defined me, it pushed me, um, but it made me realize that I had to take better ownership. Funny enough, even though I was an owner, I had to take better
0: ownership for the company as well. So if you had to do that over again, how would you do it differently?
1: I would have asked more financial questions,
0: mm. but how would you know to ask the questions that you didn't know at this, at that time? I
1: think once again, you go back to trusting your
0: gut. Yeah. Something was wrong. Was your gut, was your gut ever telling you? Yes. Something was. Oh, it yeah, has, there it is. A you know, weekly,
1: more uh, Monday kind of regroup with our our entire team on Mondays, and he just kept skirting around the financials.
0: And why did you bypass your gut? Because you didn't want it to be I'm true. So
1: worried about everything else on HSN, my shipments of bottles and manufacturing, and this and that. Um, and for the exact reason that you said, you know when you feel like you don't know it well enough to question it, then you feel like, should I even be, I mean, that's what's my right to question it. You know, he's the banker. So it's, it's just about learning, feeling comfortable with being uncomfortable.
0: Yes. You know, that's been a theme throughout your entire, um, interview. And through our conversation is starting from the time that your mother, you know took you guys overnight out of South Africa and moved you to the states not really knowing anyone basically and it's been getting outside of your comfort zone and that's such a huge important mindset tool and so if there's anything to take away from this conversation is it's i always look at like what i have has gotten to me to here and i'm so appreciative and i love it but if what I, where I want is to go there or there. Um, it's outside of my comfort zone because it's called the unknown right. and that requires a beginner's mind. And that's super fucking humbling. So where are you a beginner in life right now?
1: Well, there's the physical stuff. So I'm a beginner kite surfer. Uh, <laughs> I broke my ankle. I am like trying, you know, I, have not mastered that sport. It's annoying. Um, but I would honestly say I don't consider myself an expert at everything because if you start thinking you're an expert, you stop learning. Um, and so I try and push myself as much as I can. You know, one of my, my favorite quotes is, um, from Richard Branson and I try and like, really live this as, as new, like even just new clients come along with new assignments. And, uh, basically he says, you know, if somebody offers you an amazing opportunity, but you're not sure that you can do it, say yes anyways, and learn it later. And that is, um, you know, I, I have something right now kind of brewing in the back. Um, and it scares the heck out of me because part of me doesn't know, how I can do it or how I'm going to get there. But I keep trying to read this quote, you know, and I I have what I, what I do in my morning rituals and things like that, you know, is that, that quote, just to consistently remind me that just say yes. And just, I'm not saying make it up, but just learn anyways. So
0: be willing to be in the unknown, face the fear and do it anyway. Right. And I think is, 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 to, to be
1: honest, and this has been proven as well, it's a female thing. I saw a, a few, um, weeks ago, I saw a fascinating, fascinating study come out around the difference between men and women and applying for jobs. They found, um, you know, and, and talking about confidence and how we're raised as women and, you know, men and the differences. And it's not even, you know, that, our parents set out to raise us a certain way. There were these cycles, you know, society pressures, women do this, you behave, you shut up, you, you know, pretty. you sit up, you know, all those things, unfortunately. And I think we're unlearning a lot of it, but this, this one particular um, uh, study that I saw, um, and it was just conducted a, a little while ago was men will see a job interview or a job posting. And if they make reach 60% of the requirements, they'll still apply. Women won't, generally will not apply if they don't feel like they've met 100% of the requirements. Fascinating. Isn't that fascinating? Because I think, oh my God, that's totally me. You know, sometimes I look at that and I think, oh, I'm missing this piece or I'm missing that piece. And and generally, and of course I'm, I'm stereotyping, but this, this, this study can prove it. Men will look at it and go, eh, get enough. I got sixty percent of it.
0: Lost to the wall. (laughs) And (laughs) I think that's a fascinating. Now, but see, I experience you so the opposite of what you're saying you typically do. Really? Well, don't let that stop you for whatever this passion project is, whatever this thing is that feels really big, obviously you're gonna just bust right through it and you're gonna go for it. I mean
1: so, I mean, you know, I'm also dependent on the, the, this t- particular technology of working. That's what we're, we're looking at right now. If it works, great. And then I'm going to be really like, oh, shit, now I really have to go because then there is no excuses. Um, but, yeah, I just I think it's fascinating. And I, I just, you know... I'm trying to reprogram my own mind and my own own way that I was raised. And look, my mom always raised us to be strong and independent. But as I said, even society will put on their own expectations, you know, and I I look at my past before, you know, starting beauty soul, that there were other jobs that I either were nervous to, or, or didn't want to take purely because I didn't have my degree. And that helped me back and guilted me for years,
0: Oh, I remember when you first shared about that, you were speaking at some beauty event and it was one of the first times that you publicly declared that you got to where you are and you, you actually got very emotional. You started to cry and you're like, and I had so much shame around not finishing your degree. Um, And then you were just like, but you know what? It, It makes no difference because here we are. We're almost, you were on a, on a panel with other very distinguished leaders in the beauty industry and here you were amongst your peers, but yet you didn't have this degree that you thought would hold you back in the past, but you knew then in that moment, it would never going mm-hmm. forward. It was powerful. I'm very, I remember very you know. vulnerable,
1: right? Because you've got this conference. I'm at this conference, you know, 300 people plus And yeah, but I think, you know, I, I'm so mad at myself that I let that get in my way for so long.
0: And so what was the shift that you allowed yourself to finally be transparent about that? Because we were talking at the top of this um, conversation about how these days more and more, you're just like, you know what, I've got to be transparent about like everything. So what was that shift then that allowed you to step forward and and just claim your truth about that? You know, quite honestly, I think some of it is age. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to lie. Some of it is age. Not caring, Experience, not caring as much about
1: what others think. Exactly. Experience a couple hard knocks where you realize nobody else cares about you and your shit. <laughs> so, you know, um, so true. So I, I think that is part of it. I think also surrounding yourself, and I'm not saying people to you know blow smoke up your ass and think you're the most amazing thing, but surrounding yourself with people that think you are amazing and want to see you succeed. Um, helped me get away from that feeling of guilt, you know, and, and it helped to empower me. Right.
0: Um, well, you are surrounded by um, incredible people, not only on the outside in terms of what they've been able to achieve in their careers and climb corporate ladders or be, you know, super successful entrepreneurs, your husband, you know, your dearest friends, your colleagues, but also they are beautiful in the inside, you know, just really kind hearted, um, genuine people. And, and I know, cause again, I, I sat witness at your wedding and, um, I watched the speeches, but I've also been your friend since 2012 now. And so I've seen and been a part of these conversations. You're just so well-respected and you are admired. And I mean, you inspired me without you and Chris being there at the end of my time at HSN, where it got real hard, really, really hard on so many levels. I don't, I don't, I mean, You guys aided me in feeling confident and empowering me to believe that what I, what I wanted to do, I could do. And I shared about that in my very first episode. And I knew that I would dig into it a little bit deeper here, but thank you for that. I know I, I know I thanked you, but I want to publicly thank you for being such a light post for me in an otherwise really dark time, literally and figuratively, um, you and, um, your hubby. I used to remember, I used to call myself wife number two. <laughs> uh, We've had a lot of good times. Yeah. Yeah. And then
1: sometimes you know it, you you know, I, I appreciate it and thank you and, and we think the world of you. but it's exactly that. It's sometimes it's the small little moments that just click because I didn't realize, you know, at the time, probably that I was talking to you that it made that much of a difference, right? Because, um, and that's the beauty of life and, and of relationships and circumstance and what we're open to and what we're not open to. It's sometimes just those little things that click.
0: And Well, you brought me my first high paying clients, two or three of them. Remember? Like I was still a host <laughs> just then and I was building my consulting business. Oh, yeah, because- okay. I'm
1: like, no, right.
0: <laughs> no, yes. 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 yes.
1: But, but listen, you know, it's one thing you were
0: a major advocate girl. I mean, like, so let's, let's be clear. Like you really went out of your way to help me and support me because you believed in me.
1: Yes. I was just going to say, but at the end of the day you had to deliver, right? You can only bring a horse to, to, to the water at the end of the day. That's all you can do. And, and that's where, you have to have the hoops buzz and know what you're doing and at least take that leap. And that's what you did. It, I didn't do that. I merely did an introduction. But you I made
0: also, an introduction. And yeah.
1: what you were doing. And I knew you were the best and were the, you know, were and are the best at what you were doing. Um, so that's easy, you know.
0: You're very sweet. Thank you. And right back at you. Okay, so we are coming toward the end. Um I would love to know if there's a book or a podcast that you have found yourself recommending the most.
1: I actually have um a a, a few. So one of my favorite books um is Start with Why. Uh it's fascinating and it's actually it is so true. So whether you're starting a business or or not even starting a business, the way you look at your life and things like that, it's a book by Simon S- Sinek, I think. Oh, I um, love him. Yes. yes. His, his book on start with why is just incredible. Um, and so I love that. I love the power of habit. That was fascinating to realize, you know, psychologically what happens when we form these habits, whether it's physical habits, you know, and, and things. And then these mental habits, whether it's what you think, um, what you think of yourself and all of that. I, I just think it's fascinating. Um, the Magnetic Leader is a great book, um, really talking about leaders that that lead not from a place of terror or you know, fear. They're not fear-based leaders. You look at some really interesting magnetic leaders. It's a phenomenal book as well. Um, and then, you know, for me, when I look at building companies or or cultures or teams is another great book is the culture code. And that's kind of, you know, even though these tend to be more work entrepreneurial books, I, I look at life as not as work or as a job, but how you manage your own life is, is just like a job in a lot of ways. So you know, when you look at culture, and the, how to build a culture in a in a company or or with your team, it's the same thing that applies to your everyday life, you can't be an asshole at home and be the <laughs> leader, right, you right. just can't. So um, I always, you know, because right now, yes, I'm consulting, but I try I read these books, but then I try and apply it to my own life as well. So
0: What you just said about not being an asshole at home and then like trying to like shine at work reminds me of a wonderful quote from the seventies. Um, it was called, um, I think the book title was what color is your parachute? And the quote is very famous and it's how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. And that's just, I find that so true. And so when there's smoke and mirrors and I'm like, wait a second, that's not what you're not, what your Instagram shows you as, you know, or Hey, you know, that's not the same conversation that we had at dinner last night. Now here, you know, cubicle to cubicle, um, but you said something earlier that I wanted to circle back on before we get off, which is you mentioned a morning routine. This is huge for mindset. So what is your morning routine? You know, I would love to say I get out and do yoga. And meditate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I could say that, but
1: I, I really don't. I, I am going to admit that I reach for my phone. What I, what I do do, uh, and I've actually done this for years. Thank God. Um, is, there's, I have a routine. So my first thing is, is that I have a, um, I use an app called shine. Have you, have you downloaded shine? So it's, I set it for six 30 and it sends you a quote or some sort of, you know, topic or, or sentence to think about and, and kind of look at or ponder. And if you want, then you can go into it further and it will give you exercises and thoughts and things like that. So I do shine at six 30. And then I, um, also I get the universe emails. Uh, Do you subscribe to touch? Yes.
0: Uh, every single day. That is the first between that and Abraham Hicks. I cannot start my day without it. I
1: have done it, I mean, for years. I can't even remember when I first started. It's
0: the best. Yeah. And I love how he personalizes it. And I'm like, yeah. how is he talking to me right now?
1: <laughs> I mean, we probably get the exact same email. Oh, but it, no doubt. It, it matter, right? I, I don't care about that. It To me, I read that in the morning. So, and then what I do every year, and, and you know this from, from knowing me, um, every year I set up a theme for each year, right? So I'll build out what I want my life to look like that year, goal. I want to achieve, and and what are the key words for that year? And I, I've done it probably the last eight, nine, ten years. And what I do now, and have done, I'd say for the past three years, is I write myself an email every day. Well, actually, it's just a calendar alert that gets sent to me as an email. And so, um, you know, this year. It's mine is i am strong i'm powerful i'm successful i'm a force of good nothing can stop me i'm humble i'm grateful and i'm plentiful i, I love have, that and i just read it every day it comes to me it's uh, you know i set that i think at like 6:40 40 in the morning so it's just calendar invite And I I just read it every morning. So it's just, it's there. It comes in my inbox because like I said, I I do reach for my phone, which is probably not the best. But um, so those are my three things that I do. And then I go to
0: Instagram. (laughs) It's terrible. That is amazing. I love that. Um, that's a wonderful morning routine. So basically you're just flooding your mind and aligning it with your heart so that you can go and be super productive in the day and be reminded to what matters most. Yeah.
1: I think it's just a little bit of a reset. Cause as I said, I, I would love to get up and meditate like some of these amazing entrepreneurs do. And they get up and meditate for an hour before they go to work. I just, you know, I haven't been able to do that, swing that yet, Uh, but it just kind of, I believe it frames the day. I can still be, you know, pissy or, you know, angry at something that might be going on or frustrated with work, but it forces me to do a little bit of a lens correction. Uh, And once again, if you read the power of habit, you'll realize why doing those types of things every morning is, is an important thing to retrain your, your mind.
0: Which is why, you know, we're talking about the morning routine because virtually every single, um, you know mindset master that I've followed since I was a teenager has a very strict morning routine. And yes, you're right. Some do sit in meditation, you know, and and levitate for like an hour. That's not me either. Um, But I do do the yoga and the soul cycle. That's super important. What I started doing this year that I found extremely helpful, not that you have to do things differently, but I put the phone to bed the night before. So it goes in a drawer in my dresser across the bedroom. And so I can't reach for it um first thing in the morning and so I look at my vision board, I go over my gratitude, I hug all my animals cuz they're all three in the bed with me. Right now I'm currently single, so we'll see how that works out.
1: <laughs> but I imagine him there and everyone getting along.
0: Uh what? But I still I, you know, I love that and you know, you get it how you get it. Like some people are very digitally um inclined and so if if that's your flavor and that works for you and that helps you to reset all the better. I love it. There's no one way for anybody.
1: No, no, not at all.
0: Um, is there anything that we didn't cover that you, um, feel like we should know about you?
1: I don't think so.
0: I mean, (laughs) this one (laughs) is transparent. Oh, wait, I know. What's your theme for this year? A uh, transformation. Oh, I love it. And so how does that, what does that look like for you?
1: For me, it's everything. so physically, physically, it was a big thing for me because as, uh, you know, we've been kind of speaking very openly, I was in a very, very dark dark period last year, I, you know, was dealing with, which I didn't realize at the time, some massive, massive hormone deficiencies, depression, anxiety, and I was just getting in a a horrible place. Um, and you know, I put my foot down on January 1st and said, I can't live this way. Like something has to move and shift. And I am not going to rest until I figure out what's going on. And I'm going to transform my life, my body back the way it needs to be back my mental, you know, state. Um, so mine is transformation. Um, and I'm doing it quite honestly, physically and, and mentally, um, you know, I'm trying, I committed to reading more, um, and I'm always a reader, but, you know, I've really kind of challenged myself, um, to, to read more. Um, and then, um, for me, the transformation physically was very important, but by, from a health standpoint, number one, um, but then also just my own, my own body, you know? Um, so transform, transformation is a big focus for me this year.
0: I love it. I think transformation is so key. And by the way, we could transform every year. You know that could be yeah, a theme every year because. Exactly a right? theme. <laughs> I feel like anyone who knew me, even just six months ago, needs to. We need to be reintroduced yeah. because I feel like I'm transforming right now on such a rapid level, and I'm like, wow, if I'm here now where I was, and I don't mean that it's like all that imperfect. I just mean it's better, and progress is everything. And yeah. that's where you are. What are you reading right now? Uh, Trevor Noah. I love Trevor Noah. Are you kidding? He's awesome.
1: I'm nearly done. Um, but you know, obviously being South African, I, you know, I I hear the accent and I giggle at what we went through as kids, (laughs) even though he's a little bit younger than me, but you know, some of the stuff that he writes about in his book, Born a Crime, um, I, I giggle at night, you know, and, and, but it's also really sad and you realize, um, you know, the pain and devastation that apartheid has or had and, and the impact of it now still to this day. Um, and, and what's kind of left over of it is, is heartbreaking, you know, but he, it's an incredible book. I recommend that everybody read it. So what I try and do is a quote unquote, fun book, workbook, fun book, workbook. I oscillate, you know, that way. So that's, but I'm about 80% done with Noah right now, born a crime.
0: Yeah. Your most recent trip was just like mind blowing. And by the way, um, for those interested, you can find Sinead and I'll g- we'll give you the handles at the end, but your photographs on Instagram are just so beautiful. And your recent trip to Machu Picchu. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. yeah yeah
1: that is a physical
0: challenge yeah i mean you (laughs) hiked that inca trail i mean when you told me you were going to do that beforehand i was like whoa wait a second i think you should take the train up and like have a cocktail like you do Uh not want to do four days of that nobody enjoys that (laughs) but you did it but it was part of transformation i was part of transformation i love it it was outside of the comfort zone um what is your what is your idea of fulfillment How do you know, how will you know, or do you know when you're fulfilled? Having
1: it, I think having that true feeling or sense of purpose, that would be incredibly fulfilling. Right. Um, and I think, you know, I don't think I've ever reached that, but I think that would be pretty fulfilling if you know, Oh my God, this is my purpose. And, and, you know, I think, um, I, I envy those that, know that I, you know, I see some people and some people that I mentor or coach and they, they are, they know in their gut at like 12, this is what they were meant to do. And I, I never did. And I, I don't still, I mean, I still say, I you know, I've said this to you, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. you know? Um, but I think that would be pretty fulfilling. It's just knowing this is my purpose. I get a glimpse
0: of it, but you know, I think for everybody, but I would say that. What would you say happens that would give you a glimpse? What's an example?
1: Um, I would say, you know, for me, when I get to affect change is the biggest in either people, a light, a situation, uh, a community, uh, you know, that to me is pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, just watching you, like it's, it's astounding to me. I did not expect you to say that you don't really know what your purpose is because I see you as someone who's making such a measured impact in people's lives every single day, regardless of whether or not they're paying you the high retainer that I know you charge a lot of clients. Um, and of course you take on a lot of small boutique companies. I mean, you're just so open, but even people like me, like you would just share so much knowledge and you were just so willing to, um, add value to my life and to so many others because it was your pleasure, it was almost like you're on a mission to serve. So it's just so interesting because that's how I see you as just a woman who's constantly giving. Yeah.
1: Thank you, but no, I, I don't know what my true purpose is yet. I'm on a quest.
0: You are on a quest. <laughs> well, don't... guess what? In the year of transformation, <laughs> no. no doubt it shall be found. Yes, In don't the meantime, you you're... have one sole purpose either. Right? Nah, I agree. I agree yeah it's so interesting because, like Barbara Strozen, for example, so you were talking about trevor Noah, Noah, I listened to Alec baldwin's um podcast called here's the thing like I like to swap it up too. It's not just personal development, like I love entertainment and politics and world you know events and sports and blah blah sports is new i like I like certain sports, but um But he had Barbara Streisand on, and this was so crazy amazing for me. I'm listening to their whole interview, they're eating at her house, like food and soup, and it's like really kind of loud and slip smacky, and but it's like it feels like I'm in I'm at the table. It's just so her. And she says to him, and she's in her 70s, right? She's so iconic and she's so well decorated with every award you could possibly imagine. And she says that she doesn't feel like she ever made it and that she's actually, in fact, a failure because she didn't succeed as an actress in the way that she thought she should.
1: Wow. What? Wow. I, yeah. Yeah. So,
0: so then I was like, okay, like if Barbara Streisand can say that, and yet she's made such an impact on the world, then we yeah. really need to let ourselves off the hook because this is just a bullshit epidemic that a lot of us are believing. Like we yeah. need just to trust that what we are doing is enough. Yep. right? And just connecting 100%. with one another and keeping it real off screens, making time to connect in person, which I know you do. And that's why you have the friendships that you've been able to maintain and take care of for so many years. Anyway, you're a beautiful inspiration, my friend. And I'm oh, so yeah. happy that you're feeling better and that this year is transformation. Um, it's an awesome time. Yes. Yeah, so thank
1: you, Hannah. I so appreciate it. And I'm so excited for everything that you're doing too. I'm probably looking. Sharing from the sidelines You're here. So sweet.
0: Well listen, how can we find you? For anyone who if they have a question, they want to reach out or want to follow you, where can we find you?
1: Um on all platforms, I'm Sinead at, at Sinead Nerinius, and I know it's a it's a handful, um, but it's S-I-N-E-A-D-N-O-R-E-N-I-U-S um or
0: the Pienza Collective.com. Awesome. We'll, we'll definitely look for you there and we'll put that in the show notes. But thank you, my love. It was such a wonderful conversation. You too. Mwah. Talk Thanks to you, soon. you all. all right. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, please share it with a friend and head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. That would be so appreciated. And if you want to reach me directly with any comments, questions, or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. And you can do that directly at themindsetmashup.com. Thank you again. And I look forward to hearing from you.